Welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. Today I am joined by Hari and Sean from Smash. Welcome to the show, chaps. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Good to see you, David. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about uh, a new paradigm in AI. You know, AI is everywhere right now. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what this means in the context of compliance and productivity as well. Uh, but before we get into that conversation, should we do a round of introductions? Um, Sean, do you want to kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and Smash. Sure. Uh, my name is Sean Hurst. I'm the Principal Regulatory Advisor at Smash. I deal mostly with the international area, so that's uh, EMEA. Europe, Middle East, and Africa, but I uh, obviously have some counterparts out in the US that I help out as well. Uh, it's an interesting time at the moment in the compliance space. It's, well, actually, it always seems like an interesting time, especially with the way tech is moving forward. And with AI, it's really just pushed it so much further. And yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm enjoying what's happening and I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Uh, myself and also Hari, we come from a banking background. So I worked for a large American bank for most of my career before joining Smash. And uh, yeah, I'll hand it over to Hari to introduce himself. Thank you, Sean. Uh, so I've been with uh, Smash for about six years now, and I lead the product management function for uh, some of our compliance capture products. In this role, I get to work with and explore how tier one banking customers uh, explore and adopt new collaboration technologies and especially compliance challenges that inhibit their adoption of uh, those technologies. So uh, when they're rolling out a new tool for collaboration, there could be requirements around uh, how the data needs to be captured and so on. So uh, again, without which they cannot roll out those capabilities into the hands of end users. So that's uh, one exciting uh, intersection of uh, compliance and collaboration that we deal with uh, regularly. I, as Sean mentioned, I've also uh, worked with a large bank before Credit Suisse, uh, where I handled the global product management function for uh, collaboration services. So that helps me kind of bring the uh, customer and inducer perspective into how we are solving those problems. And by virtue of the customers that we work with and the complex problems we solve for them, we have this incredible exposure and opportunity to work with product teams uh, and thought leaders at uh, partners like Microsoft, Zoom, Slack, Google, AWS, and others. So uh, that helps us you know, further guide our customers into navigating the complex uh, compliance and collaboration. So that's rapidly evolving. Thank you for that. I mean, it's great to have, um, you know, that, that history of banking um, that you, you both have come from. And that is going to give us such a great sheen on this on this conversation and what that, that means for, for these tools going forwards and the kind of challenges. So let, let's maybe unpack some of this conversation. Let's get into those challenges. First of all, you know, we're seeing all these AI tools hit the market, you know, Copilot for Microsoft, ChatGPT. Um, and what kind of challenges are these tools presenting companies? They're really struggling to remain compliant, you know, particularly in this financial space we see, see ourselves in. Uh, who wants to take that one first? Should we go to uh, Hari? Do you want to kick us off on that one? Sure. So what we're seeing is, uh, you know, it's, it, we, while we are at an inflection point, this is something that we've been uh, observing and watching for a while. If you, you know, think about even 10 years ago, right, uh, we've had uh, tools, you know, AI tools evolving over time where uh, 
call centers have been using these technologies. So even at uh, some of these banks where uh, sentiment analysis and other uh, you know functions, customer intent, what do the customers intend while they say something? So these tools have been evolving over time. As a result, we've been observing it uh, you know, for some time as well. Uh, it's just that we're at this point in time where uh, they're showing up in the daily uh, kind of collaboration uh, tools that uh, our end users use regularly. So, I, I think I think anxiety is one way to put it, but also there's a lot of excitement around the the ability these tools are going to have to to in, improve productivity and all that. But uh, you know, back to David's question around how what are the concerns about compliance when it comes to these tools? That's the big question, and you know the the big the big the big areas uh, we're talking about data privacy and obviously regulations. There's a lot going on in that space right now. Um, and I think it's a combination of both that, that create a bit of worry for the compliance teams. Whereas a lot of the, the banks, a lot of the financial institutions, they just want to push ahead with these amazing tools that are coming out. And, and so am I, and I'm sure Hari is as well. You know, anyone in the tech space, they're seeing what's coming out. It, it's incredible, but it does present some challenges. I think it's a little bit of the unknown, you know, and understanding what, what these tools are actually doing, where the data is stored, how that data is processed. Uh, th that's a key thing. And, and I think it, it's quite interesting to see what the regulators are doing right now. There's, they seem to be on top of things a lot more now than they were maybe 10 years ago or when I used to be at uh, Citibank. We, we were dealing with Dodd-Frank coming out. I remember being involved in projects with, with Dodd-Frank where you're trying to get advice from the regulators and you didn't really get a lot of it, right? They, they, were, they were a little bit hands off and they pointed to the regulatory documents and that's it. But now what we're seeing is the regulators are pushing, uh, they're pushing their own sort of knowledge across and, and it's good stuff as well. So if you go to the FCA today, there's a lot of great stuff around AI and how to approach it in a compliant manner. How do you start thinking about AI? Now, obviously, we're providing our guidance as well to not only our clients, but also to the regulators and to some of these data privacy uh, fields. And it's interesting, interesting to see this collaboration because this technology is, it is groundbreaking, right? And like Harry said, it's not new, but it's far more accessible than it's ever been. And yeah, where, where it's going, that, that's a, that's a big question. I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later in this conversation, yeah. but. Yeah, right now Absolutely. the compliance challenges are real and the data privacy concerns probably more so. Absolutely. It's, it's great to see that collaboration happening within the industry as well. I mean, um, I think it has to happen as well because this, this space is moving quickly, right? And um, we can't really wait uh, too long for those regulations to be put in place because, uh, you know, we're going to be too far down the road, I think. Um, I'm, re I'm, I'm really interested in what um, Smarsh is doing to support your your sort of key vendor relationships around around this to just just to ensure your your customers aren't maybe uh, getting a bit ahead of themselves, you know, and adopting some of these tools in 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 perhaps the wrong kind of manner. Um, you know, what 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 is Smarsh doing around that? Um, who who wants to take that question? So I'll, I'll jump in first because I'm going to definitely hand this one over to Hari. He's the he's the guy who has the relationships that I'm envious of, but. You know, where, where I was talking about before, we have these relationships with the regulators and the data privacy teams. We also have, you know, the relationships with our clients, but probably more importantly is the relationship with the vendors, vendors like Microsoft. Uh, without, the, without those relationships, we'd be many steps behind and we'd be chasing our tail effectively. We've, we've got to know more than the client does. 
And the only way to do that is have those relationships. And, and I'll hand over to Hari now because he's the guy that nurtures so, yeah. those so, relationships. As I mentioned during my introduction, uh, so being in the business we are in, uh, we get this unique uh, front row seat to talk to customers as well as the technology partners who are uh, bringing these changes to market. But uh, we, so we do a lot of these, uh, you know, learning, listening, and uh, uh, you know, creative sessions with our customers. So uh, in the last uh, month and a half alone, we've met with about five or six customers, talking about how they are seeing uh, the, their workflows being impacted or their uh, productivity being blocked or enhanced by these changes. And some of them are participating in some of the pilot programs by some of these uh, technology vendors. So uh, this in uh, you know working with the technology partners, what we typically do is uh, we are able to bring in that perspective of uh, you know what features or uh, you know, API capabilities are required on their platforms to effectively unblock adoption barriers in the financial services sector in particular. Because, you know, if you look at it, right, uh, Teams or uh, uh, you know, Zoom or any of those platforms are developed for all industries. Now, with that industry-specific focus that we are able to bring in by working with customers and then advising our partners, we are able to ensure that uh, compliance teams and uh, even inducer organizations at these banks are not looking to lock down features as they're introduced or asking for waivers on uh, you know, compliance requirements. So, so I, on, the, on that note, you know, what, what I'm seeing, I've been to a few sessions where I've talked on panels and uh, having these conversations with some of our prospects, some of our actual clients, most of them, they'll put up their hands when you ask how many of you are blocking things like ChatGPT, right? Uh, even us at Smash, we're very restrictive with how we use AI, mainly from the dead privacy perspective and because there is, there is some unknowns there. Now, if people are just blocking these technologies, then the vendors are not going to be happy, right? So, so like Harry's saying, being able to create those unblockers, being able to, to speak back and forth with Microsoft and let them know, you know, this is what our client actually needs. You know, the client's saying no right now. They, they don't want to embrace uh, Microsoft Teams. Let, let's, say, let's not even talk AI. Let's talk about whiteboarding. So many of our clients turn off whiteboarding because there's no real proper capability. Well, there's more so now, but back when they were disabling it, there was no real capability to monitor and track what has been done with those whiteboards. So mm -hmm. from Microsoft perspective, they'd be looking at this and thinking, well, people don't like whiteboarding, right? They're disabling it and they don't think it's a good feature. Meanwhile, we know the actual fact is people would love to be using it, but there's no way to put proper compliance in place, right? These heavily, heavily regulated industries like financial services, they have a responsibility first and foremost to their clients and then also to the regulators, right? So, yeah, these conversations that, that Hari's having, and I don't know how much Hari, I, I, I've got some questions here. I don't know how, my, how much you can tell us about what is happening around things like Copilot, sure. right? Copilot, it's coming. It, it's, it's coming. It's already there in some fields. Uh, GitHub, it's got it running, and I've been using it quite a bit. It's very cool. But when it comes into full swing with Office 365, how ready are we? And, and what sort of conversations are we having? And I understand, obviously, NDAs might yeah, be in so place, I, but what can you tell us? Tell the beans, Hari. Yeah, so I can't go into specifics of the you know, work we are doing in that 
uh, area, but uh, the general direction is if you look at any prompt-based responses. Uh, so think of it like, uh, and, and this is how we are able to also demystify what uh, you know these capabilities are, right? So you today you have bots in some of these uh, tools which would respond to you when you you know fire a query, or fire a uh, prompt. So the experience is going to be very similar, and the responses can be treated in a very similar manner from a compliance perspective. The secret sauce and the you know challenge lies under the hood where we capture that content, contextualize it, ensure that it is captured within like the message thread or the meeting chat and so on where it actually you know, takes place. Or if it's uh, someone asking for a summary of a meeting after the meeting or while joining the meeting late, it's all mapped accordingly, timestamped accordingly and so on. So uh, it's, you know, the goal is to actually uh, make sure that the downstream workflows have minimal impact uh, while we you know figure out what the complexity of synthesizing that uh, uh, in a content it's 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 uh, the in a complexity should be hidden from see both the inducers as well as the compliance uh, uh, inducers uh, so that, that that's really been our approach and that's and that, that's why we see partners uh, you know, working with us extensively as we've been able to kind of define that path for them uh, on previous occasions as well. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping <laughs> in again, David, because <laughs> I always learn something whenever I'm talking with Hari, there, there's always so much to learn. Uh, with with what's happening, it's so the way I've always seen it before we started seeing exactly what Copilot was going to be able to do. And, and before we started really brainstorming internally at Smash about how we're going to solve for this, my thinking was the bottom line is Copilot's not going to do anything without you actually pressing the button, right? It's going to create draft emails, it's going to create content in response to what you need, but that content's not going to go out to a client or to a colleague unless you press send on that draft, right? So effectively, there is some element of responsibility for an individual to make sure that they're checking what the AI is presenting and producing. Uh, from On the flip side of that, though, is the real challenge of identifying internally, how, how do you know what is AI generated and what is not? Because if you're pressing send on an email that has some content in it that has been generated by AI internally, etc., you'd need to have some sort of hashing or some sort of algorithm in place that's able to compare to what has been generated and you obviously need to capture everything that's been generated so i think that's where the real challenges are and i don't, I don't want to expose too much because i'm sure that is part of the secret source but i think that's where the real challenges are going to be from a compliance perspective uh, i think what's going to happen is downstream when you're looking at surveillance and supervision cues they're going to take into account is this content ai generated then maybe it needs to be flagged a little bit higher so that it needs to be reviewed uh, because maybe the person hasn't been um, changing the content enough, maybe they haven't been reviewing the content enough, and there's a potential that you're sending out information that probably is not something you should have been sending out, right? So I think that might be something that comes along. Um, it's, it's interesting use cases, and again, that's sort of the conversations we're having with uh, with some of our clients that are trying to move wholesale into the AI space. They're trying to figure out, what does it actually mean? How do we solve for this? Uh, one, how do we make sure we are compliant? You, you raised some really interesting points there, Sean, uh, particularly around 
um, checking the, what the AI is producing as well. Um, is, is this a productive interview tool or are we all checking what the AI is putting out there into the public domain? Um, and then who's culpable for that as well from an AI perspective? You know, if your AI is responding to an email, does that mean you're liable for the contents if you haven't? It's a really interesting question. Sorry, Hari, I cut, I cut yeah, you off not, there. Sorry. You're so, going to uh, add, add a comment. One, you know, so you say AI generated content being sent out is one, but also uh, these tools would create action items for you based on the content that uh, is discussed in a meeting. And that's one thing that we see customers uh, concerned about. Concerned not from a, uh, you know, would it cause uh, chaos, but in terms of whether we, you know, to what extent can we hold people accountable for acting on those action items and how do we ensure that uh, they're accurately captured? So, you know, the AI told me, so can be a reason why somebody does something or doesn't do something. Now, you know, and hence it creates this additional uh, requirement for uh, capturing some of this uh, information. So one is from monitoring the content that goes out, but also for internal policies as to monitoring what someone does based on what say, AI tells them to do. I, I find it interesting that no matter how advanced things get with things like AI, chat GPT, image and video generation and all these sort of things that we have today, things don't change as much as we think, right? It still comes down to policy and procedure. It still comes down to compliance teams assessing how people work, right? Uh, training is going to be huge regardless, you know, whether, whether this was 20 years ago or today, training is going to be as important as ever. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think compliance teams, they might have had a bit of a shock for the first couple of weeks thinking about what are the implications of something like Copilot, right? But I think they've settled down into a bit of a rhythm, realizing, wait, you know, nothing nothing really has changed. There's new technology. Things are moving a lot quicker than maybe they did before. But we still need to just rely on what we've always done, right? But I, I, that's the way I kind of see it. I don't know, Hari, you, you obviously you worked in a bit of a different area than I did when I was at the bank, but I'm pretty sure you saw the same thing. Uh, constant having to signet, uh, sign off on uh, compliance documents and things like that to make absolutely. sure that you attest to certain yeah, things. Absolutely. That's absolutely. still going on so, today uh, and it's still a requirement. Still the right? very same kind of concerns, but uh, you know, better tools enabling uh, how we can monitor, manage those interactions. Fantastic. So, well, let's, um, we're getting towards the end of the session. Let's leave with our viewers with a bit of a, maybe a bit of a summary. You know, uh, just about every enterprise across the globe right now is looking at the AI space, how they can get involved, how they can do so safely. Um, you know, what, what are the sort of important factors to remember when they're uh, thinking about the regulatory changes and future proofing their businesses? Um, down the line, you know, um, Sean, do you want to do you want to kick us off on that one? What what should the businesses be sort of? How should they be preparing themselves? Let me, let me kick off on this because this, this is definitely a conversation I have on a you know, daily basis. You know, I, I I don't want this to be a sales pitch. This is a conversation about something I'm really passionate about: the AI space technology. But the fact of the matter is, you know, to, to make yourself future proof, you need to make sure you're embracing technology that regardless of what's coming down the line, whether it's more text, more chat, 
or video or audio that's going to really expand the, the data requirements that you have. You need to make sure that whatever platforms you're going to be using are scalable. Make sure that they're able to scale with you. And, and that's something that, that's one of the reasons I moved to Smash from certain other organizations is because of this future proofing, which, which is a terrible word. I, there's no such thing as future proofing, but it's being more ready for the future than some of your other uh, competitors. The fact is you need something that it can scale near infinitely in terms of how much data is going to be stored, how much data needs to be processed, right? When you're using cloud technologies, which is what we do, Smarsh is fully cloud agnostic. We do primarily work on the public cloud space. So AWS is, is key for us, Azure as well. But being able to just scale out with your data storage, data processing, it's going to be more important than ever. Like we just mentioned, when you when you take on Copilot, you're effectively adding another employee for every one of your employees, right? You have you have an, a personal assistant that's now creating notes for you, drafting emails, uh, taking down you know action items from your meetings, summarizing your meetings, giving you a heads up on what to do in the next meeting, scheduling meetings. I mean, all these things are going to be happening with Copilot, which is hugely exciting, but it creates a lot of data, and being able to scale with that producing that data, regardless of the solution that we have at the end of the line of, of how we're going to manage this from a compliance perspective, you still got all this data you need to be processing. So that, that's all I will say from that compliance piece. I don't know, Hari, sure. from a so, technology uh, point yeah, of view, uh, I don't know if you have anything John to add John mentioned there. about scale is one that's extremely important. So uh, we, the largest customer that we support uh, on the team's capture front has 330,000 users globally. So that's like massive scale that we solve for. Now, if they were to add Copilot and other such uh, functionality for uh, even a you know significant proportion of their employees, uh, even if they don't do it for all their employees, that's going to be another you know massive amount of scaling that would need to be done. So you know if not for a you know scalable platform, you know, that would be a challenge. So that's definitely something I would look for if you were looking at uh, adopting these technologies. The other thing that I would uh, you know, look at is uh, you know, having been on the other side and having gone through some of these uh, shifts. Now, this was a while ago when people are talking about, say, adopting, uh, you know, yeah, you know, going, <laughs> so going from, Say, it hasn't changed you know, much, Harry. PBX-based voice, uh, you know, systems to more VoIP and uh, modern uh, voice systems and so on, so, like unified communications, right? So even having sat through, you know, the evaluations and decisions being taken around such changes, one thing that I would really encourage, uh, uh, you know, folks to do is to speak to partners like us. Because, uh, over the, as I mentioned earlier, over the last. Uh, month and a half, about six weeks, I've met with uh, six or seven customers talking about this exact same uh, you know, challenges, understanding. So we also learn a lot by talking to customers and hence we are able to consolidate requirements and uh, challenges, potential fears in these uh, you know, tools being adopted and bring it to the partners who need to then make adjustments in their APIs and platforms. So that's number one. And to get our perspective or perspective of a partner like us in what we are seeing across the industry, what uh, challenges we are see, or what best practices we are seeing you know, across the industry in terms of uh, you know, how the customers, peers are adopting these technologies. So what 
safeguards they're putting in place. You know, those are you know, very valuable conversations. So I would encourage you to uh, you know, do that as well. I, I just double down on that. We learn so much from our clients all the time. Our products are in large, uh, you know, they're built around the requirements from our customers. We don't exist if our customers don't use our products. So we take on board that information so much. And whether you're a prospect or an existing client of us, reach out, speak to someone like Hari. He loves having these conversations because he wants to know what, what, what are the clients doing? And, and I'm sure it'll also help out our clients and, and prospects to know what other people are doing, right? It really helps to get an idea of where people are. There's a lot of uncertainty, right? And the best way to help that uncertainty is just what are other people doing? You know, what, what are the best practices today? Fantastic. I think that is a great place to end today's discussion. It's full of insight, uh, full of things for our audience to think about. So thank you, Harry and Sean. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, David. Thank and, you, Harry. and thank you for watching. You'll be watching me, David Dungate, on UC Today. If you like today's conversation, give us a like and a share on social media. That's it from me. See you next time.